You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus himself rebuked them for not knowing the time of his visitation. He rebuked Israel. He rebuked them for not knowing when this was going to happen. It was no small thing to that generation. Jesus wanted them to know. He wanted them to be aware of God's word. So it's obvious to me that we should be aware of God's prophetic word too. That we should come to the knowledge of that word. One reason we need to be aware of it you will not be deceived by false teaching. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage you to educate yourself on the prophecies found within the Bible. The Bible is packed full of prophecies from many different prophets. To know and watch for the second coming of Jesus, we need to be well-versed in the prophecies about His glorious return. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 12 as he continues his message, Prophecy Fulfilled. They didn't know the nature of Jesus' kingdom. Why? Because they were still expecting Jesus to take control. They were still looking at the strong Messiah instead of the suffering Messiah, the kingly Messiah. In fact, go all the way to Acts 1. Don't turn there. Go all the way to Acts 1, and right before Jesus' ascension, right before he promises the Holy Spirit, what do the disciples ask him? Lord, Are you going to restore Israel now? Are you going to set up your kingdom now? He says, what are you, crazy? Not for you to know. For my father. But you will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He quickly changed to that. When did the disciples disciples understand? When was their understanding clear? Day of Pentecost. That's when their understanding was made clear. When the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the truth of Jesus Christ. That's when their eyes were opened. That's why we always preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that you can glean from what God's word, what he's talking about. So you can have understanding. So you can know what the Bible is preaching to you and teaching you. We need to understand these so that we don't misinterpret or misapply the scriptures. We need to have the understanding that comes through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says, The spirit of revelation is to all the sense the spirit of wisdom. God will reveal that to us, and we need it. They understood it when it came light, and they went, wow. See, there's a beautiful harmony between the word of God and the works of God. It's a beautiful harmony there. And the remembrance of what is written will enable us to understand what is done. Let me try to clarify that statement. Sometimes you get confused. And you guys never get confused. I get confused all the time. Sometimes we get confused and we need to go to the Word of God. And we read the Word of God and we don't really understand what it's talking about. And then all of a sudden something happens in our life and we still don't understand it. And then we get down the road and all of a sudden like, wait a minute. That was God. God was God all along. God did that. 
We have understanding. The Holy Spirit brings that understanding to our minds. That's what happened to the disciples. The scripture fulfills itself every single day. The scripture fulfills itself. Look at 17 and 18. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. Everybody loved Jesus that day. Everybody that day was a Jesus freak. They had signs they'd hold it up. Hail Jesus. They loved him, especially after heard what he had done in Bethany with Lazarus. Everyone wanted to see the man who raised Lazarus from the dead. Surely he has to be the Messiah. Surely he has to be our king. Surely he has to be the one. So they declared him, hail, king of the Jews. Hail, king of all Israel. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're all praising him, praising him and worshiping. Four days later, the same men are standing at the praetorium when Pontius Pilate has the man, and the same ones are yelling, Crucify him! Crucify him! Same exact ones. I was in that crowd. I was in that crowd at one time in my life yelling, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. What a great prophecy that would have been. The world is going after him. I pray now that the world would go after him. I pray now that the world would come to their knees and rejoice and declare Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and all would come to the knowledge of him and be saved. I pray that would happen. But it's a shame when someone's popularity is cause for offense. Why? Because they were afraid that he was going to outdo them. They were afraid that he was going to become more popular than they were. And they didn't like it. The only thing they wanted to do with Jesus, get rid of him. Only thing they wanted to do, get rid of him. So this prophecy of Daniel fulfilled this day has to be one of the most remarkable of all the prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. Because Daniel declared that the very day, the very day that the Messiah would come. How many weeks did I say Daniel's prophecy was at the beginning of this sermon? I said it was 70, didn't I? What was the prophecy? 7 and 62? That's only 69. We're missing a week. We're missing a week. Hmm. Wonder what that's all about. Go back to, don't, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it. At the end of Daniel 9, in verses 26 and 27, it says, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and end, it shall, end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end of sacrifice and offering and to the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate until, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. One week remaining. In the prophecy of Daniel, 
one week remaining. Shortly after Jesus' triumphant entry, shortly after the prophecy is fulfilled of the 69th week, it says the Messiah was cut off. Jesus died. He was crucified. He was dead. They buried him. He rose from again. And then God took him up into heaven. He ascended into heaven. The Messiah was cut off. He's gone. He's in heaven. But he wasn't cut off for himself, was he? He was cut off for us. He was cut off for us so that we would come in, which sets up something else. Been gone many years. And Daniel speaks of this prince to come, this prince to come. And notice when he's talking about Messiah, the prince, it's all capital letters. When he's talking about this prince, small letter. Why? This prince is known as the Antichrist. This prince that Daniel is referring to is the Antichrist, who will come in, make a treaty with Israel, the covenant of seven years, make a treaty with Israel, and part of the treaty will be that they will be able to rebuild their temple. Right now, there's a mosque on top of the temple. Right now, there's a mosque on top of the temple. That's a Muslim mosque right there, the Dome of the Rock. That's it. They believe that it, to one side, there's a little room where the original temple could be in its original place. They're not sure. This prince, this Antichrist, will come in, make a covenant with Israel, allow them to build the third temple, the third temple, and it will be built up. It will take them three and a half years to build. Three and a half years to build this glorious temple. In the, it says, but in the middle of the week, again, the week is talking about years. In the middle of the week is three and a half years. What happens in three and a half years? The temple is now ready. It needs to be dedicated. We need someone to dedicate the temple. Well, how about the dude that made the covenant with us? Yeah, that guy's pretty cool. A lot of people are following him. A lot of people are enjoying his company. He seems to do miraculous works. Could he not be maybe the Messiah? Maybe he's the one. Let's let him dedicate the temple. He walks into the temple, stands up before people, and there's no longer any sacrifices. There's no longer anything else. Why? Because he declares himself God, and you will worship me. Daniel calls it, Jesus calls it, the abomination of desolation. In the midst of the temple, rips down the Holy of Holies and stands right there and declares that he is God and that all will worship him. And the following three and a half years is nothing but horrible calamities. The first three and a half years is called the tribulation. Actually, the whole thing is called the tribulation, but the first three and a half years, they call just the tribulation. Many, many crazy things happen during that time. Read Revelations. But that second three and a half years, they call the great tribulation, when things really get done. What happens at the end of those three and a half years? I'm really glad you asked. Because in Zechariah 14, it tells us, again, prophecy. In Zechariah 14, it tells us what happens in that at the end of that seventh year, right here on the top of Mount Olives, right here on the top of the Mount of Olives, right here on the top of the Mount of Olives, Jesus returns. He returns at the same place that he did the, fight, the, the uh, triumphant entry. And when he hits the Mount of Olives, according to Zechariah, it splits in half. It splits in half. And then he makes his way down past the Garden of Gethsemane, 
across the Kidron Valley, across the Brook Kidron, up into the East Gate, his second coming, Jesus' second coming. Oh, that'll never happen. Really? All those people who read Daniel's prophecy thought it would never happen either, didn't they? They all thought it would never happen. His descent into Jerusalem from the east. And just as Jesus fulfilled Daniel's prophecy on April 6, 32 AD, he will fulfill the rest of the prophecy at a time only God knows. Only God knows. No man knows the hour. No man knows the time except my Father in heaven. So I ask you, is prophecy insignificant? Heaven forbid. But you say, I'm not into prophecy, Dave. I'm not into prophecy. Well, that's great. I told you that over one-third of the Bible has prophecy in it. But did you know out of the New Testament, out of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, in them are 318 references to the second coming of Jesus Christ? 318 references. Did you know that for every prophecy about Jesus' birth, there are eight prophecies regarding his second coming? Jesus himself rebuked them for not knowing the time of his visitation. He rebuked Israel. He rebuked them for not knowing when this was going to happen. It was no small thing to that generation. Jesus wanted them to know. He wanted them to be aware of God's word. So it's obvious to me that we should be aware of God's prophetic word too. That we should come to the knowledge of that word. One reason we need to be aware of it, so you will not be deceived by false teaching. So you will not be deceived by false teaching like the Thessalonians were, thinking that he had already come, that they missed it, that they missed his coming. There's such false teaching out there that's spreading through the community. Jesus tells us to be prepared. He tells us to be ready. He tells us to occupy until he comes back. He's looking to find faith when he comes back. And his prophecy gives us a glimpse of the future. So you know how to live your lives today. So you know how to live your lives today. It protects us from deception and prepares us for Christ's return. But there's another prophecy. And as your pastor, I have to tell you about this prophecy. There's another prophecy. This prophecy takes place before the final seven years. This prophecy takes place before the final seven years. It's called the rapture of the church. It's called the rapture of the church. It's when Jesus calls us into the air to meet him, our bodies will be changed, and we will meet him in the air. He will take us to his father's house. He will take us to a place that he's prepared for us. You can read all about it in John 14, 1 to 3, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 53. It tells you all about the rapture of the church and how we'll be caught up in the air. Those who believe, those who believe, those that have accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, those that have confessed their sin, those that have asked him into their life and believe with all their heart that God raised him from the dead, they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, will be caught up in an instant, in a shout, at the voice of a trumpet, the archangel. Boom, we're out of here. It's coming. It's coming. So, why I told all of you this? 
Daniel was so precise in writing down God's words through the Holy Spirit. Why would we ever think none of this other stuff is going to happen? Why would we, we would be so arrogant to believe that this could not possibly happen? Oh, it hadn't happened in 2,000 years. Well, it was over 500, 600 years before Jesus came to Jerusalem with Daniel's prophecy. How many years was it before his birth? Thousands of years before his birth. I mean, you go all the way back to Genesis 3.15. It's the first prophecy of Jesus Christ in the Bible at the beginning. It's important. We saw the exact precise day, April 6, 32 AD, when Jesus came in a triumphal entry. A city surrounded by a multitude of people. Jesus held the religious leaders accountable for it because they should have known he would come. The rapture of the church, no man knows the hour. No man knows when Christ is coming, but I can tell you without a shadow of guilt or doubt in my life from having read his word, studies his word through the Holy Spirit, I can tell you, you need to believe he's coming. Not only do you need to believe he's coming, you need to look for his coming. You need to be prepared for his coming. If you knew Jesus, Jesus was coming back this afternoon at 12 o'clock in 55 minutes, what would you do? What would you do? Would you get right with God? Uh, yeah, I might. Would you give up that sin that so easily ensnared you? The one that's been nagging you all these times? If you knew he was coming back in a very short time? Well, yeah, you might get rid of it if you believed. Knowing that he's returning should change our lives. Should change the way we live. If you go back to the Acts, it changed their lives. The early Christians expected Jesus at any time. And what did they do? Did they shriek away from their, their duty? No. They gathered and prayed for boldness through the Holy Spirit so they could proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. When they were told not to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, they said, well, we're supposed to obey you and not God. They were beaten within an inch of their life, and they left there shucking hands and giving high fives, praising God that they were worthy to suffer like Jesus. What would you do if you knew he was coming today? Would you finally tell that person the gospel message that you've been thinking about telling that you haven't gotten around to tell? What would you do? It could be today. It could be today. We don't know the hour. We don't know the time. When Jesus was talking to the people, he railed at them because they knew how to determine the weather. Oh, you see the red sky, and you know this, and you know that. But you don't know the signs of the coming of the Son of Man? You may not be in the prophecy, and that's okay. But all of, every one of you reads a newspaper Every one of you has a TV that you can watch news. Look around and see what's happening, especially over in Israel. Keep your eyes on Israel. Watch what's happening over there. Watch how Russia is getting ready, how Iran is ready, how Libya and Ethiopia have got together, how Turkey, they're all ready. Prophecy is happening before our eyes, gang. It's happening right there. This is the greatest time to be alive in the world. We should be outreaching them for Christ because the time will come when this dispensation of grace will end. And during that last 70th week of Daniel, that time we call the tribulation, 
You still can get saved. But you've got to lose your head to do it. You've got to be martyred into the kingdom. Now, you may scoff, or you may think that I'm completely off my rocker. I've been told that before. And that's okay. But I challenge and charge each of you here today to go back and examine the Word of God. Go back and examine the Word of God. The, word, the, the scriptures that I throw out to you today, go back and examine them and let the Lord speak to your heart about it. If there's any confusion, come and talk to me about it. Talk to Mark. Talk to Bill. Talk to Kev, Kevin or Carl. You need to realize what God is doing. It's his want that none would perish. It's his want that all would come to repentance. It's his want that this would happen. We need to get real. It's time to stop playing church. It's time for us to get real about what we believe and why we believe it. Don't believe it because I said it. Believe it because God said it. Believe it because it's God's word. I'm just repeating God's word to you. Listen, heed, take heed to what is being said to the church today. God wants to do a mighty work. He wants to do it in here. He wants to do it right here. He wants to do it in our midst, but he also wants us to take it outside these walls. Outside these walls. Because he cares just as much about those people outside the walls as he does for you. His son died for the rich, the poor, all. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't look to anybody and think, oh, you're not worthy. We're all not worthy. If I was any bit worthy, I wouldn't need a savior. None of us are worthy. Come to him. Come to him. He's not looking for you to come and be pious and holy. That's his job to make you pious and holy. He's not looking for that. He's looking for someone to come to him with a true and open heart, a heart that is pure to him, a heart that has been broken because of the sin, a heart that has been broken because of the lifestyle that they've been living. He wants to come to him openly and purely and confess him and praise him and declare his love. God is calling each of you. He's calling each of you to come closer. Come closer, come closer, come closer. Come to me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Come. Come. See, prophecy is important. If we overlook it, if we, if, we, if we discount it, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're doing God a disservice. We need to come to him. Come while he can find him. Seek me while I can be found, he says. I'm here to tell you that God loves you with an everlasting love. And he has called you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He's calling you. He's calling each of you. Come home. Come home. Come home. Let this be the day. Let this be the day. You are Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.